Would you like the chance to win free childcare for a year? Thanks to my generous podcast partner, Bliss Early Learning, you can. Bliss Early Learning is an Australian-owned premium provider in the childcare and preschool space. They currently have four locations in Melbourne, Cranbourne, Sandringham, Williams Landing and Wyndham Vale. Bliss Early Learning are known for providing more for free and they're taking this up a notch by providing one family the chance to win free childcare for a year in one of their Melbourne locations. This comp is worth up to $39,000. Last year, they gave one family in Cranbourne one year's worth of free care. And in 2020, that could be you. To be in with a chance, visit bliss.edu.au forward slash win and enter your details. To get three additional entries into the comp, book in a tour at one of the Bliss Early Learning Centres. Visit bliss.edu.au or call 1300 717 Entries close 31st January 2020. So head over now to bliss.edu.au forward slash win for your chance to win free childcare for a year. I've popped a link in the show notes so you can enter now. Good luck, Mama. New South Wales permit number LTPS forward slash 19 forward slash 39442. For full terms and conditions, visit bliss.edu.au. Welcome to Mamas on a Mission. If you're a Melbourne mum, you've landed in the right place. Hey, I'm Holly, the host of this podcast, Chief Mama of Motherhood Melbourne and co-founder of Facing Motherhood. Each week, you'll hear from inspiring local mamas that are on a mission to help you get through the toughest hood of all, motherhood. Season 3 is kindly supported by my podcast partner, Bliss Early Learning, an Australian-owned premium provider in the childcare and preschool space. Okay, let's kick things off. Remember when you were pregnant and getting ready for the baby? You probably read a lot of books about birth, right? We all did. And then one of the many nights you're up trying to settle a screaming baby, you start to wonder, why the heck didn't anyone teach me about sleep? That would have been useful, right? Well, it's not too late to get the lowdown on the science of sleep. Now, I want to say if you're going through the torment of sleep deprivation or exhaustion from a baby or a kid that just won't rest, I'm so very sorry. I've been there and it's bloody hard. And I'm sure you've thought maybe tonight will be the night they'll sleep longer or it'll be over soon. It's just a phase, a really long one. But what I do know is that when you're in the depths of sleep deprivation, it's hard to see that there's help and it's even harder to ask for it. That's why I've invited Catalina Lau, a baby sleep consultant from Moonlight Baby Sleep to help you. As a mum of two, she can empathize with you because it was her own sleep deprivation that led her to wanting all of her questions about sleep answered. She knows that when the baby isn't sleeping, the whole family suffers and you really don't have to. In this episode, Catalina explains the process of working with a sleep consultant and when's the right time to work with one. Catalina shares lots of great info about the effects of babies and kids being overtired and how this is one of the most common reasons for sleep challenges. We also chat about how Catalina creates sleep plans with parents that ensures they're not housebound due to day naps. And lastly, I can't help but ask Catalina about what to do when facing the ultimate parenting dilemma. When you pull up at your house and the kids have fallen asleep, what should you do? You'll have to listen to find out. Now, Catalina has an online store that shares sleep aid products that she recommends to families. She is kindly giving all listeners a generous 20% off products and services at Moonlight Baby Sleep until the end of March 2020. Just use the code Mamas on a Mission when you visit moonlightbabysleep.com.au. If you're tuning into this app, 
I'd love to know. Share it in your Insta stories with a screenshot. Tag Motherhood Melbourne and Moonlight Baby Sleep. Okay, now Catalina starts with telling us about how she started her dream job. Let's meet Catalina. Before I became a baby sleep consultant, I obviously had no knowledge about um, the industry. My background was a corporate job in the mining industry, very male dominated industry that I worked in. And I pretty much did that to tick, you know, just to please my parents, I guess. Before children, I had a completely different life. I was living overseas, had no children around me. So when I became a parent myself, it was all new to me and even holding my child for the first time, I hadn't held a baby for years, I guess. I've always been very maternal in the sense that I, I love children, but having my own was a completely different experience and it hit me like a ton of break. I was living overseas beforehand and living a single life and I returned to Melbourne and a year after of being back, which was quite an adjustment anyway, partner and I started our family. And though it was like the novelty of the family, it was the first child for both our sides. So we had a lot of people around us, but once the novelty wore off, I was left alone. My husband returned back to work and I was left at home feeding this child, which was an amazing gift, I guess. Um, he was beautiful and I would stay up to watch him sleep. It was amazing. But the reality of being a mother and being at home from having led this different life overseas, especially because it was so close uh, from having him. Yeah, I spent a lot of time at home by myself and I started to become quite, I don't know, I guess just minding this child, not being domesticated beforehand. I found it really hard to start cooking and cleaning and being able to hold the household plus looking after this child. He was pretty easy going at the beginning, but not knowing how much he needed to sleep took its toll and he became quite overtired. We used to have a lot of visitors, a lot of friends. Again, we were probably the first couple to have a child. So we had a lot of attention on us and went a lot of visitors and we welcomed everybody but that affected our child because he wasn't sleeping. So that was probably one of the first mistakes. And pretty much within a couple of weeks, uh, he became quite overtired. And of course, everyone has lived this, but the settling at night didn't work. So you're either breastfeeding, rocking, pacing up and down. And all of a sudden, your days and nights start to mix up. And it was really hard. And I found it, I really struggled with it. Though, again, I thought my maternal instinct was enough to help me bring up this child. I just had no clue. I never did any reading. I never sort of read up on what a child really needed. So I just went with the flow and I thought, okay, I'll read his sleep cues and, and put him down when he's due. But from zero to a hundred, a child just changes from a perfect angel to this screaming overtired child. So putting him to sleep was really hard. And then obviously then my sleep was affected and I lived in this fog-like state for about eight months. During these eight months, my marriage started to become affected by the strain of not sleeping. So I was irrational. I was uh, probably became a the wicked witch, which is what my husband used to call me. Um, oh, no. But, you know, like my husband um, has an, uh, a corporate job as well, which took him abroad a lot. So, again, I found myself alone for endless days, you know, even a week by myself. And because I was also lonely and tired, I started to overeat. And the whole concept of losing weight 
after birth by breastfeeding was not my case. And in that, I started to gain a lot of weight. So not only did I find myself not coping with the housework, I was started, you know, I started to gain weight. I felt horrible about my body and that inner voice started picking at me. I just was, I was spiraling out of control. Thank God for mother's groups, but a friend of mine at around the eight month mark saw in the state that I found myself in and she just took the reins and said, okay, that's it. You know, let's take the opportunity that your husband's away and let's do some sleep training because it worked for me. So it's going to work for you. Now, the thing is that when she did her sleep training by herself, which is just an amazing mum, she did it quite early on and her baby was lying down. Yeah. At eight months, my little man, his name's Sebastian, he was standing up. So we didn't actually go through the whole sleep training correctly and we made him cry for over four hours for the first time. I was in tears, he was in tears and my girlfriend, though she was an amazing support to me, she held my hand and didn't, she didn't allow me to give in. It was horrific. It was a horrific experience and I wish, back then I didn't know that sleep consultants existed and this, I'm talking about, this is seven years ago now. So probably not as popular as they are now, but I, in hindsight, I wish I had that support, but I did it alone and it took a lot longer than what it should have and it was a lot more stressful than now knowing what I know. It, it, I just submitted my child to hours of pain and myself as well. So yeah, look, I persevered with it. I persisted and it came through, like it, it did work. And by the time my husband came home, which was about a week after, Sebastian was sleeping really well. And all of a sudden we found ourselves spending a little bit more time together in the evenings and we started to reconnect we were sleeping. He was able to go to work and function well. He wasn't overtired because Sebastian was sleeping through the night. And I found it in myself that I had a little bit more energy as well and was able to, you know, start cleaning because we had piles of mess everywhere in every room. And that as well would overwhelm me because every corner that I looked at was messy beforehand. So my whole life became a mess. Now with sleep, I was able to function. I was able to get my life in order. And also, as I said, reconnect with my husband, which we hadn't for about eight months. We were like drawing further and further apart. And it was sad. And you know, that inner voice that's talking to you, but with sleep, I was able to have that inner voice say, you know, get up, you can do this. You know, you've got this beautiful family. Let's, let's keep going. Anyway, so we turned things around and three and a half years later, we had my second son, Raphael. And with him, uh, things were so different. Oh my God. Because everything that I learned, I learned about routines and respecting his sleep. So from the word go, he was sleeping. Um, I was able to uh, catch him before he was ever overtired. And because I was doing that from such an early stage, he actually just started to learn how to self-settle um, as well. So he was an amazing sleeper. And if I compare the two boys, um, oh my God, first time parent, you just don't know what you're doing. Second time, you know, you're a little bit more of an expert and um, you can apply your learnings and things were so much easier. I had two children, but I was able to cope because they were both in a routine. And if I had any outings or anything um, you know, doctor's appointments, I was able to schedule them around the boys sleeping 
schedule. So things were really easy second time round, but I had a self-inflicted sleep-deprived issue, which was uh, well commonly named as Netflix uh, binge watching. <laughs> So because I had all this time up my sleeve, you know, having a newborn who was sleeping through the night from very early on, I would watch all these series because I had the time and I was able to cope with it. But stupid me, I'm watching this TV, I'm becoming overtired, I can't unwind. And I found myself going to bed at two o'clock in the morning after watching a whole series of whatever it was at the time. So then I experienced a different type of sleep deprivation because I was spending so much quality time on my own that I then became sleep deprived second time around, but to my own fault. And again, you know, I was able to obviously pick it up early enough that I did, you know, endure a couple of months of um, hardship, but I did um, turn things around quite quickly. But again, I think I've experienced a broad range of sleep deprivation and um, issues that come along with it. Being a stay-at-home mum, I never returned back to work, which was sort of blessing in disguise. I, you know, I never really felt the passion for my previous work. But yeah, I did find myself going out to the sporting um, sporting uh, fields, you know, for the boys, um, you know, the park, play groups, mother's group, and the common issue or the common subject was always sleep and everyone was experiencing different sleep um, problems with their little ones their families and marriages and you know sleep affects the whole family really um, so with what I had learned and I'm, I'm always trying to help people I would give little tips here and there but I never had the proper education or the proper proper background to actually give sound advice only on experience so it was then that I was getting also a little bit um, bored at home not bored because I, I was always so busy but I needed something to stimulate my mind so I decided to study and get my certification in baby sleep training I um it was first, it was something I was interested in because I was so passionate about sleep. But once I started working with my volunteer families and I, I worked with over 18 families, I just found that I felt so fulfilled by helping others and the, the, the advice, the education that I received was so in depth that I just knew what I was teaching and the progression that I witnessed was, I knew it was my calling and I knew that midlife, my my career change was for the better and I feel like I'm going with this. If I die, you know, tomorrow, I know that I've helped so many people and that is so much more rewarding mm -hmm. than shipping metal around the world, <laughs> which is what I used to do. So yeah, I've made it my mission to help as many families as I can. And again, you know, I don't see my job as, you know, helping just the baby, but the family as a whole, because once that baby's sleeping, it's that knock-on or that domino effect that it just does um, give that immediate help to the parents. And then the parents are also able to be a better version of themselves and be better parents, better partners and, and feel happy, which, you know, I know, you know, when we're sleep deprived, we're so unhappy, it's miserable, it's lonely. And look, not only with like normal family, you know, but single parents as well, like it's even harder on them because it's just, it's all on them. So if they have a sleeping child, 
they are able to cope with handling everything. I guess having children did change my life. That's really how it led for me to become a baby sleep consultant. I love that. And I think what's really great about your story is that you can sympathize and empathize with the families that you're helping because you've been in that position, you know, for your first experience. And then for your second, you could see what the positive effects of having, you know, great sleep is for the whole family. And I love the way that you, that you talk about that, that it's not just the sleep of the child. It is the sleep of the whole family because sleep deprivation, I've been there too. And it is the worst thing. People don't emphasize enough how important it is that that a parent gets sleep as well as the child. And as I used to say to my husband, I'm not responsible for anything I said when I was tired. Because I, I wouldn't say or do those no, things if I wasn't but tired. But if you look at the community as a whole, we are all sleep deprived. With the introduction of electricity, yeah. tablets, phones, screen time, we work longer hours. So, Netflix. oh my God, it's great. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, everyone is sleep deprived. Um, we are meant to be sleeping yeah. eight hours a night as adults, eight hours a night. Yeah. And a lot of people don't get that. So any less than six hours for an adult, um, they become impaired. They are not able to rationalize. They are not, they become emotional. They become ill. Like through sleep, we restore our body. Yeah. There is so much about sleep that people just don't respect. We know we have been told and we've heard, but we just don't take action. Um, and yeah. you know, how many drivers out there, even to give you an example, parents taking their children to school, they're all sleep deprived. They are just as impaired as a drunk driver. And, yeah. you know, um, accidents that happen in the workforce, that's because people are just overtired. It's like an epidemic. Everyone should be sleeping. They should be, like, after 9 o'clock, lights out to everyone, the whole world. <laughs> yeah, electricity yeah, off. it should be. It's mandatory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. And so when is the right time then for someone to seek help for sleep? Like, do you think it's ever too early or is it ever too late? Like, has someone come to you and their children are just, you're like, sorry, can't do anything No, <laughs> look, the right time is for each individual. For me, for to give you an example, I was at eight months, it was the right time for me. If I'd done it any earlier, I, I just wasn't ready because I was trying to cope. But basically, it's the right time when it's no longer feasible to cope with the current situation. So if you are happy to rock your baby until they are 16 years of age, do you get what I mean? Like what harm are you yeah. doing to your neighbour or to your family? Like there should be no judgment passed on anyone, anyone's habits inside their own home, but it's up to them to make yeah. that decision and say, okay, I my back's hurting, I can no longer rock you. You are now, you know, almost 20 kilos. But... Look, to answer your question, the earliest is probably three weeks. Before that, babies sleep. You know, we produce a lot of melatonin in our breast milk. So babies are really sleepy up until the three-week uh, three mark. Sorry. So after then, there is no melatonin in a baby system up until they start producing it themselves at around the eight-week mark. So between the third and the eighth week, babies are completely wakeful, which is when crying peaks and that's pretty much when a lot of parents suffer the most because there's no way yeah. to, well, not yeah, there is a way, but it's extremely hard to settle a baby at that um, stage. So anywhere after the three-week mark, I start seeing families. Before 12 weeks, it's all about settling and learning the science of sleep. There's no training. You can't train really young babies because they don't have the ability to learn 
they don't have the the cognitive skills to to just follow through. In in the first year, it's really good to, to start teaching your baby how to self settle. Um, in toddlerhood, you can still it, there's a pros and cons. Some children will fight it more because they're very strong willed and have more of a say. But also um, some toddlers learn very quickly because they're able to have, you know, that maturity to accept and to follow instructions. But yeah, look, the first seven years are the imprinting years of a child. So if you build that foundation early on, it just, it continues on into adulthood. So I guess the earlier, the better, I guess, for the whole family, but the right time is up to the individual. No, that's great. And so there's many schools of thought around how babies sleep, how long for, et cetera. What sort of realistic expectations should we have? And what's your personal approach then to sleep and implementing sleep strategies with kids? There's a lot of contradicting information out there. And depending on who you ask, you, get a, you, you will always find a different answer. But yeah, recommended sleep times have always varied. And even with sleep schools, you know, keeping a child awake, you might be given a three hour window or a two hour window. But through research and current studies, we know that there's an actual science behind sleep. And if, you've, if you have heard of the circadian rhythm, which is pretty much what my philosophy revolves around, is following the science of sleep, the circadian rhythm and the biology of sleep. So we know that quite specifically how much a baby or a child can cope with being awake and how much they also need to be asleep to live a healthy life so and avoid becoming overtired which is obviously the most important thing so a realistic expectation most babies um, and toddlers should be sleeping around 11 to 12 hours a night i always push to, towards um, 12 hours because more sleep sleep begets sleep so the more you sleep the better you will sleep newborn babies need about five hours of day sleep and that slowly starts to decrease um, in the first five years at any given point i can tell you specifically how much a baby can sleep but 11 to 12 hours of overnight sleep young infants between three hours of day sleep split into uh, about three different naps and um, toddlers between you know an hour and two and that also starts to decrease as the nap also um, disappears. My approach towards sleep is really um, first to look at sleep requirement for at each age and make sure that that child's really well rested. And when I look at sleep training, and I hate the word training because it just has such a stigma to it, but teaching how to self-settle and self-soothe is it should only be a, a small percentage of our work so again i'll check that the child is really well rested before we start teaching um, any um, strategy or technique again if you have a really overtired child trying to force sleep and implement any uh, technique is much harder because again the coping mechanism like again if you're trying to study and you're sleeping very little overnight you can't concentrate you can't learn properly so again, if we work with a really well-rested child, things are a lot easier. And I like what you said about, yeah, that there is a stigma around the word sort of sleep training, which kind of leads nicely into my next question, because a lot of people are really scared and overwhelmed about seeing a sleep consultant or implementing any strategies. What do you want parents to understand about this process? Because we know the benefits of having great sleep, but how do you approach parents that are not on the same page? So if you see perhaps a couple and one is absolutely for it and the other one's like, no, I don't want to do this. What's your approach? What do you want those, what do you want people to know? Look, I think the process sounds a lot scarier than it actually is. And 
even when I work with my families, they do come quite skeptical as to whether it's going to work for them. But again, as I said before, I, I try to teach the benefits of sleep. So by making sure that your baby's sleeping well and getting the right requirement, and that's key, I think, of sleep is it sort of quickly changes their mind because I can quickly do a math. So a lot of the families that uh, come to me, their child may be sleeping three hours less and very, very common to what they should in a day. So I do the maths for them. Okay, three days in a, in a day over a week, that's 21 hours of lost sleep. So once we start increasing that, you see a child quickly start sleeping through. But again, going back to your situation where you've got one parent who is you know, quite um, resisting uh, going ahead. It's just about making sure that a child is really achieving what is uh, the recommended time of sleep. And the training bit, um, again, I hate the word training, is really teaching (laughs) the skill of sleep, just like you would teach how to high five, how to wave, how to feed. It's all about repetition and our work is actually quite holistic because we have the science knowledge behind us. We are always offering sleep when it's due. We are never, ever actually forcing sleep. So I know the highs and lows of melatonin throughout the day and we use this information to offer sleep or the naps when they are actually due and you see how quickly a tired child does not fight sleep. So if we apply the right sleeping environment and we work with all of the elements um, that that do affect sleep it is actually so easy and our work is not as scary as what people think yeah I, I find that parents are always they're so happy with the results within a day even the results or the turnaround is unbelievable I think I guess people have in mind kind of like what your first ex- experience was when you had your friend come over where it was four hours of your child screaming I think that's what people think it is and everyone knows like hearing your child it's scream the is the worst. hardest thing in yeah, the world the worst yeah and for example so I'm trained in every um technique there is and I can tweak things as well to suit the child and and, and parent as well. I always want to um, set up the family for success and also for a stress-free experience as well. Even the whole cry-based training techniques or the non-cry tra- uh, training techniques, it's all about space and providing uh, or giving space to your child to learn. So, for example, a non-crying method is, you know, um, a hands-on technique. So no space at all. So you're doing a lot of the um, settling for your child and you slowly come away. Where a cry-based, like a cried-out or a spaced soothing, it's about giving endless space for that child to figure it out on their own. Or you start consoling them and you you do your checks. So it's it's intervals of checks. So it's intervals of space that you're giving that child. So again, the whole stigma around training, it's, it's, it's horrible, but it's actually not. It's about teaching the skill of sleep. And it's our choice to either, you know, make the decision to just cope with the sleep de- deprivation or the hardship of the yeah. current schedule or start teaching your child. You need to teach your child everything your manners, eating. Again, as I said before, how to wave. And it's all about repetition and consistency and perseverance as well. So in my job, it's to help each parent. I guide them and I support them so that they don't veer off track and obviously um, keep that consistency and perseverance and tell them, no, it's okay. It's not as scary as it sounds. 
it's amazing and it's the best gift that you can give your child to teach them how to put themselves to sleep and then also resettle throughout the night and so something you've been talking about a lot is about you know babies being or children being overtired so i'd love to grab some tips around that can you explain a bit more about how being overtired affects sleep and provide any helpful tips? yeah sure so the brain can withstand a certain amount of wake time before it needs to shut down and rest and restore and at the end of this wake time if we haven't if we haven't or if the child hasn't fallen asleep there's a little bit of a, a boost of um, energy and this is a release of hormones. So at the end of this wake window, if your child has not slept, it would be very dangerous for them to just fall flat on their face and fall asleep, right? So the body's coping mechanism is to actually release stress hormones and these are cortisol, adrenaline and noradrenaline. And these three um, hormones um, are released at the same time. And this is what we, re we refer to as the second wind or that wide feeling that children experience. So for example, you'll see your child awake, but they're slowing down because they're becoming tired. They're slowing down, they're yawning. You can see them rubbing their eyes and all of a sudden, bing, awake. I'm going to keep running and they get, you've seen this. <laughs> we have all seen this. Um, so yeah, yeah there's, it's a, it's a coping mechanism that helps the body stay awake. Now, if this is happening ongoing throughout the day, and this is what happened to me. So I would try to see these tired signs that everyone spoke about, but I would miss them because my child was quite easygoing. But if this release is continuously happening throughout the day, what happens is it keeps them awake. It, it, it is, it's a release to help them stay awake happily, but it impedes sleep. So you'll see them waking up through the night. You'll um, see your child wake up early in the morning. So your five o'clock wake ups and you cannot resettle them back to sleep because they are being artificially revved up to stay awake. To avoid this from happening, parents need to educate themselves and just find out exactly, okay, how much sleep does my child need and how, how much wake time can they cope with? Um, and always avoid exceeding this, obviously. But a wind down ritual will always help. So for example, if a child can cope with two hours of wake time, you don't wait till the end of this two hours to just pop them into bed because achieving sleep at this point is there's fat chance of it happening. Um, so what you do is pretty much say at the hour and a half, start slowing things down, take them into the room, and using sleep associations or sleep cues, uh, for example, if you've got a newborn, white noise, swaddling or sleeping bags, um, just start winding down the mood. So if you're out and about playing, bring them into the room, wind them down. Um, so you're setting that mood for sleep and help them fall asleep before this end of the wake time. As you were talking, I was just thinking, I need you to speak to my mum because when she minds my kids, she always puts them down later or she puts them to bed later at night. And I say to her, why do you do that? They go to bed every night at seven o'clock. That's their bedtime. And she'll say they weren't tired. No. And I'm like, they, you don't know that they're not tired. They actually are tired. They've missed their window. They're overtired and now they've gone hypo and then you have trouble putting them down and she doesn't want to. She, she like waits until they literally, you know, will go completely tired and then put them to bed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why would you do that to them? Like, I'm like, and I say to her, I'm like, that's actually detrimental to do that. You're not doing them any so favours the, by yeah, doing so that. Yeah, so the whole, the whole so, act of putting your child <laughs> to bed later so that they sleep through the night or longer the next day works. Yeah. Against us because again, 
it's this release of cortisol that's <laughs> happening to, to, to help them stay up later actually causes them to wake up even earlier yeah. the next day. So, um, and, and it's a good point that you've just brought up um, with the grandparents. It is really hard to explain to them what we know now because they never experienced it. Yeah. They're like, I don't understand this whole, you know, why do you need, why do they need so much sleep and why do you need to follow a routine? We never did that with you. Yes. But we all slept on our stomachs for starters. We were all yeah. held yeah. by grandma and our auntie and our neighbours because back then there was that village, that whole, yeah. you know, our, our modern life is so different to back then. We are on our own. We spend so much time on our own. We don't have any help. So unless they are willing to come overnight and help us settle our children, please just follow our routine because we are on our own yes we don't have that village and it's sad and also there's a lot of people that are traveling so you know with um global uh you know people a lot of my clients sorry for example are from the uk or from abroad and they have no family they have no family help so yeah again explaining this whole slip issue that we all experience to the oldies they just don't understand um <laughs> i even saw over the weekend um i asked a you know a family friends are all together and i'm like oh how are you enjoying you know your your, your grandson oh, i don't get to see him because he needs to sleep all day and da, 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 da. and i had to you know give him a mini lesson because it's just explaining the whole um idea that us parents, we are on our own. So unless you're willing to come and help us, please help us. Yeah, no, 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 I totally agree. And I always say to my mum when she puts like my eldest to bed really late, like I'm talking sometimes oh. 10.30 at night, she'll put him to bed. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. I'm like, you know what? If he doesn't come and sleep, like the next night when we have him at home, if he's not asleep, if he's awake, I'm calling you and you're coming over and you can sit with him and tell him to go to sleep because I'm not doing it. But yeah, you're right. Like it's, you know, things have changed. We're much more educated, but it is about everyone that's involved in your actual yeah. close village. They need to, you know, understand what's going on too. But you made a great point about, you know, like living in this sort of modern world, we want to get out and about. So I guess when parents are trying to implement sleep strategies and, you know, they're working really hard to, to get things, to make sure their child's having enough sleep, are they housebound or restricted when they can leave the house? Because this is something that's really hard and I guess it becomes really isolating as a mum when you are at home all day or you're like, I've got this small window when I can get out. What's your thoughts on that? So when I start working with families, I do request or just ask people to block out any activities or to choose a time where there's not, you know, um, no big events or commitments because the more consistent and the more um, we persevere, the quicker things um, happen. So the more consistent, especially in the first week. So I do work for two weeks um, which, with um, my families, but it's in the first week that we see most of the change. Uh, so yes, Let's be strict for a couple of days and get it and get the job done. Um, but in the second week, we start um, looking at sleeping on the go um, and also working around um, baby's naps. Um, look, even with myself, sorry, I'll use myself as an example. When 
in, in the, my first eight months, you know, having this baby was like, it was exciting. I wanted to get out and about, and especially because I was so alone, I wanted to surround myself with people and go out for that coffee and go out and meet my mother's group. Um, but it was compromising on my baby's sleep. So I do teach um, parents to respect their child's sleep schedules a little bit more. But of course, life is life and we have weddings, birthdays and, you know, whatever it is that we need to attend. So in the second week, we start um, working more so with um, teaching sleep on the go. Um, and I have found some amazing sleep aids that actually help us um, provide just as good um, quality sleep whilst being outside of the house um, and maintaining the length of naps. So in the second week, yes, definitely we start um, introducing sleeping on the go, but the first week, the more strict or the more, um, the harder the work in the beginning, it just sets that whole um, foundation to work with. Because again, with that whole science, it's about entraining the body clock um, and that consistency, that regularity is what really helps us. In the end, after the two weeks, regardless of where you find yourself, your child will be tired at that specific time and you're able to offer the nap whether you're at home or at and about. Um, also, another thing as well that I teach is um, for parents to teach their child or put their babies in a portable cot, for example, in a different room to again teach that flexibility. A lot of us travel, um, whether you go away for the weekend, you go, um, you know, um, visiting interstate, even overseas, that Bali holiday. Don't wait till the very end to introduce a cot because a baby will sleep, see their cot or their, um, their, their bed as their only sleep cue. Whereas if you're teaching that flexibility that they can sleep in a portable cot or, on the pra or in the pram, um, it just allows you as a parent that flexibility to travel without the stress of thinking, will my baby sleep or not? Um, so yes, strictness, but we do teach flexibility as well. Yeah, no, that sounds good. And I didn't even realize that you would teach it like so quickly, like within the second week. That's great. Yeah, we do. So like, um, so in the first week, once we, um, have a routine in place, um, mm. I do ask the mom to either go out for a walk and make sure that the baby will sleep that first nap in the pram. Uh, we try to avoid that midday nap because that midday nap is the most restorative sleep um, in the day where a morning nap or an afternoon nap, they're pretty much bridging naps um, to help, you know, um, bridge the day. Um, but they're not as restorative as that midday sleep. So yeah, no, I do teach flexibility. I'm strict. That's good. <laughs> um, I, I do hold parents accountable, but again, it's just to get things done as you know quickly as possible. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it just drags out. It, um, yeah. You know, if you have one day of consistency and the next, you know, oh sorry, uh, you know, and and it does happen. Um, you know, oh, I've had to go to the doctor and it just throws the whole day out. So then again, we start. You know, you need at least three days of momentum to set the body clock. Yeah, no, that's good. And so you were talking about sleep aids before, but something that makes you quite unique to other sleep consultants is that you actually sell a range of sleep aid products. So why did you decide to add this to your offering? And can you actually pick a few and go through them and tell us about the benefits of them? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, God, it was it's actually quite a funny um, story. But I um, so when I turn up at people's homes, I have my little kit with me. And in that kit, I have a blackout blind, 
um, a swaddle if a child, if it's a newborn that I'm working with, um, and a range of other little um, sleeping aids that I've, you know, uh, come across that really, really aid sleep. And I was finding that when I would do my consultation at home, I'd put up my blind and I'd put the baby to sleep. And yeah, I couldn't leave the house because I had, you know, the parents would be like, well, my baby's asleep now. You can't wake him. So I was either having to return at a different time to pick up my belongings or I had to wait until the baby would wake up from their blissful sleep after my consultation <laughs> or um, yeah, parents would just want to give me money for what I, uh, for the solutions that I had supplied. So um, in the beginning I started to buy, you know, extra blinds here and there and um, people were just taking them off my hands. And once I set up my website, I thought, okay, um, you know, the, 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 the products that I work with are actually amazing and funnily enough they are all products that have been um, invented by or designed by mums um, to help them with their current issues and um, yeah so the cozy go is probably one of my the first ones that I started to work with and um, that was designed by Emma in Sydney um, and she was uh, traveling into the UK and back um, and she needed something to cover um, her baby from the airplane lights um, as she traveled. So the Cozy Go, which is now a pram cover, um, came to exist and it's amazing. It cuts out 97% of um, light. Um, it is completely breathable because we know that covering your pram with a muslin wrap or a blanket or any sort of um, wrapping can actually trap hot air in there, um, making it... Um, you know, not safe for your child. And I actually have an example for myself. Um, yeah, I, early on, I covered my um, Sebastian um, while we were out, out walking in the botanical gardens and it was quite windy. And I had a sarong, it was this beautiful sarong and not only did it shine a whole load of light in there while I was trying to make him go to sleep, but it actually covered his face with the wind. So the Cozy Go, it's like dome shaped. So it's got all of the safety features. Um, so again, because I have experienced things like that, I'm able to recommend these products because I know that they're safe. I know that they work. I know that they help sleep aid and lengthen sleep while asked, you know, being out of home. Again, the modern mum needs to go out and needs to be in touch with the world. So um, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite sleep aids. Blockout blinds, um, I have the Easy Night Blockout blinds. They are amazing. They convert a egg room from a brightly um, lit, um, amazing nursery to a pitch black sleeping environment, which is essential for sleep. And not only sleep, but good quality sleep. Um, so a little science background on that. So once the brain doesn't detect any light, it actually boosts that melatonin into the system. So the darker the sleeping environment, the higher um, the melatonin drive, the better quality sleep. So to give you another example, when you're out traveling and you stay in a hotel, they have amazing blockout blinds that you're like, when you wake up in the morning, you don't even know what day it is. So, yes. so that's what we want to replicate at home for your child. 
Um, another sleep aid that I love is the Sleepy Tot, which is a comforting toy. Have you heard of it? Um, no. It, um, this is recommended to uh, families who use the dummy with their child, but are sick of getting up at night and returning the dummy um, to their screaming child. So the Sleepy Tot is an amazing comforter. So it's a great sleeping cue or association for a child. But it holds in its paws. It's got this Velcro and loop um, system. So you attach the um, uh, a dummy to each of the paws. So it has four dummies available throughout the, the night for a child to find and replace. I have worked with that. Um, it's super cute. Um, uh, and yeah, I've seen results on the first night. So it's magnificent. And uh, yeah. The Miracle Blanket is probably another favourite of mine for newborns. Uh, it is uh, Houdini proof. So we all struggle with swaddling a baby and swaddling a child in the first four months is essential to keep that startle reflex contained. So finding a large swaddle is probably the first um, thing that parents should look out for, at least 1.2 metres in length um, to safely wrap around a baby. A lot of swaddles out there are quite small, like about 70 to 80 centimetres, which is not enough to wrap your baby in. Um, but the Miracle Blanket, sorry, and I'm going to throw another swaddle in there, the Burrito Baby Swaddle. So I've got so many, I could go on and on. Um, so these two swaddles are user-friendly, they are large and they are completely Houdini-proof so that your baby cannot escape her swaddle or her wrapping and will sleep longer for her, you know, overnight and for her naps as well. Look, I could go on with um, oh, no, my I range, love but I think that's enough. Um, but, yeah, if anyone's interested, do come along, you know, come and have a look on the website. Um, there's sleep aids um, for toddlers, newborns and everything in between. They are amazing. And, again, I only... Um, work with uh, sleeping aids that truly work to help you and your baby sleep. No, they sound amazing. And I think especially sometimes like when you're a first-time mum, you don't hear about these things until it's a little too late. And then, you know, and then when you're a second-time mum too, you're, you're kind of out of the loop of all the baby stuff. So it's good. It's like, well, they can go to your site, they can see it all there and, you know, you obviously use it or recommend it yourself. So that's a great recommendation of all those products. And of, of course they're created by mums because mums are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, it's a, a one-stop shop if you need, you know, uh, and I've recently actually increased um, the amount of products because there's so many things on the market that are popping up. Um, but, again, like even – sorry, I'm going to include another one, but a white noise machine. Um, there's a whole load of them out there, but there's nothing – like some of them only play for 15 or half an hour. Um, they're either not loud enough or they're too bulky or they're – you know, you can't carry them around with you. Um, and another thing, playing white noise through your phone is actually not recommended because it distorts the sound of, or the clarity that white noise should have. Um, so if you do have anything on your phone, please use speakers. Um, but again, then you are left without a phone. So I have found another white noise machine that is super sleek. It's small, it's portable, and it plays endlessly. So uh, check it out. It's amazing. It's one of my newbies. I have fallen in love with it. Now that sounds amazing. So good, so good. And we're just one last sort of like area of tips that I'd love to go over. This is the ultimate parenting dilemma because it happens to everyone and all the time. 
Okay, so you pull up at your house, you know, in the car, you turn around and your kids are asleep or kids, baby, whatever, they're asleep. What should a parent do? Do you sit in the car and wait till they wake up or do you try to transfer them or do you wake them up to get them out? Go, you tell us the answer. (laughs) Okay, so yes, there are so many answers and also there's options, but it's also dependent on the age of the child. But I would definitely say if your child has fallen asleep, at least, I mean, if, if they've fallen asleep for the entire time that you've been out driving and it's been an hour, you know, just get them up and, and out they've had enough sleep. But if they've just fallen asleep as you're pulling up to your home, which happens all of the time, um, I would allow at least a 15 to 20 minute nap. Um, so, you know, just go through your Facebook account, <laughs> check your Instagram, check out motherhood Melbourne, yes. um, listen to a podcast, <laughs> go check out me like baby sleep, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> listen to the podcast. Um, but you know, some sleep is better than no sleep. And if your child transfers and you know that you're guaranteed for um, him to transfer or her, sorry, um, to transfer, do so. Um, but, um, if if you're uncertain, I would I would leave them to at least do you know a 15 minute cat nap and then continue on because so sleep is like um, it's fuel for the brain right so basically if you put five dollars worth of fuel in the tank it will take you a certain distance whereas if you fill it up completely you know it will it will take you much further. So same thing goes with sleep. So if they've had a little cat nap, you know, and they're due for a sleep soon, you know that you can almost split that nap into two and offer, as soon as you see that first yawn, pop them down. But what I would say, if you know you're going out and you know you'll, you might get stuck or plan ahead, organize your day. So either take your child out just right after they've slept. So have them sleep at home and plan your outing you know as soon as they wake up pop them in the car your child should stay up and alert or plan you know if you're going out for a really long drive plan around just before the nap time um to travel so that you know if, if you some children don't sleep in the car if they do plan around that so yeah. plan ahead is my advice yeah. <laughs> no that's good i usually my kids always fall asleep after the zoo we go to the zoo every week and i know it guaranteed they're going to fall asleep so i just yeah. keep driving around i'm like well i just pick a podcast that i you know that's an hour long and i just keep driving i'm like well i've got nothing else to do i've either got to get them out and then they're going to be all shitty or <laughs> you know so but that can get very expensive driving around i know i know well sometimes sometimes i sit in the you know in the um in the driveway but i'm just like oh I'll just go for a little drive yeah yeah, look, yeah. and also with toddlers, for example, um, especially if they've stopped napping, um, if they fall asleep, you know a tired child cannot quite sleep. So if they fall asleep, reg- you know, on a regular basis in the car, um, bring bedtime earlier. Um, you know, yeah, even if, if the, the nap's out, do not be scared of ever offering naps, you know, every now and then. Um, even though toddlers may fight sleep, they're still little and they still need that, you know, that rest, um, especially as the day becomes so stimulated, they're running out and about all day. Um, do make sure that they are in bed early. Um, we really don't um, respect, you know, once they become toddlers and they drop that nap, we feel like they can cope with everything, but no mm. early bedtimes for them, at least, you know, 12 hours of sleep. Yeah. If not more. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm dreading the day when my little one when he drops his nap. I love that. That's my favorite time. Yeah, <laughs> <the day>. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's starting and, to get then, a little bit less. So I'm like, no, I hope it doesn't stop yet. We're not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, and and they're all different as well. Like yeah. for example, my Sebastian, my, he's seven years old now, and he still naps. Yeah, he, on the weekend he will happily go to sleep. My <laughs> three year old, he's almost four in December. He dropped his nap earlier and he fights it. But every now and then he will fall asleep in the car, um, still fighting it. But, um, yeah, he sleeps much less than my seven-year-old. Yeah, yeah, amazing. It's chalk and cheese. Yeah. So they're all different. But do cater to your own child's sleep requirement and you'll be surprised how much they need and it's a lot of sleep. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, Okay, now I would like to talk more specifically about motherhood, your experience of motherhood. So can you tell us what have been the challenges and the surprises that you've found of being a mum of two? So motherhood, oh my God. <laughs> it's a hard gig, isn't it? <laughs> um, look, it's been very testing um, as a human being and my coping abilities. Um, I think beforehand, as I said, I led a very different life. So I was very selfish in my own ways. And I guess because we do become mothers, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of us do become mothers later on in life. So in my mid thirties, you know, you're quite selfish by then. Um, so becoming a mother taught me to be a little bit more selfless. I love being a mum. As I, I've also said that I'm quite um, maternal. I love kids, but, um, just this whole sleep deprivation and being tired, um, being selfless and having to um, do things that are beyond my um, comfort zone um, has been quite hard. Um, Now, being a mother of two, what works with one doesn't work with the other. So being flexible, um, having different strategies um, to cater for the two boys um, and also catering for the older boy, which is, you know, the hubby. you know, once you're dating, it's so different to then being parents because there's two worlds coming into one um, and there's two different parenting styles. So, again, if you don't have enough sleep and you're not well rested, there's a lot of um, strain in that. So, yeah, so, look, motherhood's been great. It's been an amazing self-discovery journey, I think, to find out what my um, boundaries and my limitations are. Um, but I think one of my challenges as a mother is how much space you give your children to figure things out for themselves because we can tend to be helicopter parents and, you know, do everything for them. But even though we feel, I, I, and I did that for a while and I felt like I was helping them and I was doing things for them, but I was actually causing them a little bit of harm because they weren't actually learning to do things for themselves. So now that, you know, I've had seven years of experience, I guess. I've backed away um, from giving them space. And I know they might fall, but instead of rushing out to stop them, they need to learn themselves that, yes, there is an obstacle there and um, they might hurt themselves, but they need to figure things out for themselves. They need to learn and grow. Um, So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a convoluted answer, but... (laughs) 
No, perfect. I like what you said, you know, you've had seven years of experience. This isn't amazing. Like if you were in a job for seven years, you'd be an expert. But with parenting, like you never quite know. Uh, <laughs> you, no. can't, you can't nail it. You just got to keep learning and, and they keep growing and changing and, you know, you just and, do and your best. I've, exactly. So I've nailed the first five years. <laughs> no, no, five years. The, but, you know, the infancy, it, like I've been there, done that, and I do feel like an expert. Um but yeah, starting school, different ball game. You know, there's, you know, other children, bullying, um, yeah. and just the expectations of school have changed. The homework, actually, that's another um, challenging thing for me is being able to cope with all the different calendars. So you've got your family, um, you know, your friends and family, then you've got kinder, school, work. So having, yeah, managing all of the, um, yeah, the activities for the family and being on top of things is really, really hard. Um, especially when you're running your own business as well, because within that, you're, you know, you're, you're the support to other families. Um, well, I am, um, you know, I'm running, you know, ads and, you know, marketing and advertising and this and that. So it, it, it's a lot. And the expectations to be able to do it all happily are so high, especially with social uh, media. We're bombarded with these perfect parents, but it's not like that. So it, it's not. It's really hard. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, a, a motherhood is just every day is different. You never know what's coming. So having to think on your feet and yeah have different strategies that are forever changing and I like what you said that yeah about the calendars and just managing a household like it's such a huge skill and you know it can be upsetting sometimes when people don't like I guess they undermine or don't respect the role that you know whoever the house sort of manager is like that is a huge job and if you were doing that in a workplace my gosh like you know you'd be paid a mint and <laughs> um, and you would have other people like you know be able to outsource more stuff but no I, I like the way you described that that was great people say oh I'm just a housewife or oh you're just a housewife just yeah that word just yeah no, I'm everything as yeah. a mother you're the doctor you're the cook you're the teacher you're the enforcer you're everything so there's just so many hats um and it's hard it's really it's yeah and especially when you're alone absolutely so to be able to cope with that people stop watching netflix and go to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lita has told you it's your bedtime now that's it nine o'clock in bed <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, and now we're going to finish off with what's a random fun fact about you? A random fact. I love playing dodgeball. Dodgeball yes. <laughs> saved my life. Oh, so, tell us. Yeah, very interesting story. So the same friend from my mother's group who helped me with the um, slick training was actually playing dodgeball with a group of her friends and every week she would pester me and send me messages come to dodgeball come to dodgeball and I'm like are you crazy what is this dodgeball a bunch of people throwing balls at each other my answer was always no one week um especially especially after we had you know um we knew that Sebastian was sleeping and um, she arranged it with my husband and she pretty much turned up at my doorstep and made me get in the car. And at this stage, as I said to you, I put on a whole heap of weight. I was feeling sluggish and I just felt horrible. So 
I didn't want to be out there running. I just, I was tired, but um, I turned up, I was so nervous and it was amazing just to be able to run and be free and not think about anything but dodging balls. <laughs> it was so hilarious. I giggled so much. Um, I completely sucked at it. It was, you know, I'd go out and I'd get hit because I was slow. I was, um, you know, I was out of shape. I, it was horrific. And um, I think I even peed myself, you know, once or twice while I was running. So girls, please work on your pelvic floor muscles. Because <laughs> when you have to be running and stomping, trying to dodge um, the incoming balls, um, yeah, I had a few little accidents there. But it became my little silver lining and it was my one thing that I enjoyed once a week. It was on the Thursday evening and it was all that I would look forward to. Um, so yeah, I think a fun fact is that, that dodgeball, no, not many people would think about it and everyone's like, what? Um, but it's amazing and it helped me get fit. It made me feel happy. Um, it made me feel confident because I became really good at it as well. So I started to get people out and, um, yeah, that's uh, a time that of growth, I guess. Um, yeah. And, yeah, Dodgeball did that to me. So I know. Oh, I love it. It was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that is a fun fact. And now we're just going to wrap things up and I would love for you just to, once again, tell people about the services that you offer and where can people connect with you if they need help? So we have a range of um, affordable packages um, available for all families um, and you can choose from an in-home service for Melbourne-based families or the surrounding um, areas or um, which is something that's very popular is a virtual consultation and that can be um, provided to even Melbourne families who just don't need me at home but also interstate and even overseas. So I have worked with families in the UK and Africa without any issues. Um, so I have been available to support them in their um, training or teaching experience. Um, and yeah, so a whole load of um, packages will be listed on the website. Um, and uh, obviously you know about my products. So I've got a wide range of products um, also available to help your children um, sleep. and. Um, I decided to um, bring an offering to anyone who's listening to this podcast. And uh, if you quote, um, I'll have a, a special discount code for Mamas on a Mission. So if you quote Mamas on a Mission, um, you'll be able to receive a 20% discount on, yeah, so a 20% discount on my services and um, products. So anything on the website, you can uh, enjoy a 20% discount. Um, as I said, I have um, now expanded um, my range of services just to provide a little bit of flexibility um, and also make it a little bit more affordable um, to support all families. Amazing. And so where can people find you? Come to my website. It is um, www.moonlightbabysleep.com.au um, and I'm quite um, frequent um, on Instagram and Facebook and also, you know, Moonlight Baby Sleep. Um, but yeah, do come and visit. I do also offer 15-minute free consultations. So for people who are, you know, undecided and want a, um, a further chat just before they commit to anything, do give me a call and book that in. Um, with me. I'm, I'm always happy to chat to families and answer all of their questions. Um, 
I guess to explain my services a little bit further, um, I do work with um, clients for a two-week period, um, but I do check in on families um, after just to make sure that they haven't veered off track. Um, and my support is quite hands-on, so I do check in on my families every morning to see how they went and um, overnight. And I'm also there to tweak things along the way as well, because sometimes we do choose a specific um, training technique, but I can quickly see um, if it needs any tweaking. So, you know, if a baby or a parent is not responding well um, and we need to either um, speed things along or slow things down a bit. So I guess that's what a book cannot provide you, which is what I experienced. <laughs> I didn't have that hands-on support. Yeah. Yeah. Having that individual experience. Uh, Service. That's right, that customised yeah. or tailored. Customized. Um, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Well, we've come to the end of this episode. And if you love hearing from inspiring and entertaining Melbourne mummers, subscribe to Mummers on a Mission. Bonus hugs to all of you who also take the time to leave a review. Thank you. If you're keen as beans for more information about the podcast, my guests or myself, jump over to motherhoodmelbourne.com.au. Okay, mama, that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in.